All right, let's pray. We're going we're gonna to jump on in, all right? Father, we love you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to come into your house. Thank you, Father, God, for giving us a chance, God, another chance today to serve you. Thank you for the breath in our bodies, God. Thank you, Father, that you're not done with us yet. Yesterday is gone, but today is a new day of new opportunities to serve you. And Father, thank you for that. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll give us ears to hear. God, that you'll give us understanding of what your word is trying to say. Father, I pray that today, something, Lord, that you speak will just open up revelation of your word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the guidance that you've given us. And I pray, Lord, that you will be with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, so Elder Jeff did a fantastic job last week introducing Hebrews and the new study that we're going to be jumping into. And uh, I don't know about anybody else, but when he dropped that, the bomb of who wrote Hebrews, man, that was cool. I'm like, okay, all right. And the possibilities of who it was could have been a woman who wrote it. And then when you look at it from that aspect, man, you talk about completely changing Hebrews, the meaning, the eloquence behind it, the poetry of it. Man, I mean, man, just that, just that alone, just that alone was awesome. Yes, very much. And it just kind of takes your reading to a different place. You know, when you, when you just change your mindset, just, just because we don't know who the author is, but you change that mindset just, just a minute and all of a sudden different words that you've read a hundred times mean a little different, you know? Isn't that cool? Exactly. That'd be, that's kind of one of those things when we get to heaven I really like to ask. And like Elder Jeff had said, when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be surprised about a lot of things we thought we knew, but we didn't really know. Truth bombs. But Elder Jeff gave everybody some homework. I hope you were able to do it. And if not, that's okay, because guess what? We have another week, you'll get to do it again. But to read Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2. And this morning, I'm going to start off where we're just going to read Hebrews chapter 1 together, okay? So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, 
He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Or the angel, I'm sorry, of the angels, he says, of the angels, he says, verse seven, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Man, talking about starting out with a bang. There is so much jammed into the first chapter alone of Hebrews. So much. On page one of our study guide, our first chapter talks about the best Revelation, that's the heading of this chapter, the best revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is the act of revealing or disclosing. It's something revealed, especially a dramatic disclosure of something not previously known or realized. It's also a sudden insight or idea. In John 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Hebrews chapter 1, there's a phrase in there, it says, The glory of the Lord, and it's actually in verse 3, it says in this translation, The glory of God. The glory of the Lord was a term the Hebrews used to describe the way in which God showed that he was present through visible signs such as thunder, lightning, clouds, or fires, right? The Old Testament, that's how God proved he was there. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we see the burning bush, right? Fire. God is represented, his power is represented through fire, and also in Exodus 19, verse 16, we see where God comes down on top of Mount Sinai, 
There's a cloud, there's fire, there's lightning, there's thunderings on the top of Mount Sinai. We also see that the Israelites were guided with a pillar of fire by night, right? And then a pillar, a cloud of pillar during the day. And we also see that the Israelites, when they set the temple up and everything was finished, that the glory of God, the cloud, would come and rest on the temple. And when it was time for them to pick up and move, that cloud would pick up off the temple, and then they would know it was time to move. So, the glory of the Lord, the glory of God, was often referred to in the Old Testament in signs of fire, lightning, all those wonderful things. Jesus being God revealed to us all that God is. I'm going to say that one more time because I actually had to read this like 20 times to actually get what it was saying. I don't know why, but my brain wasn't working because when I read the sentence, I'm like, all right, it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to slow it down. Jesus being God, Jesus the Son being God revealed to us all that God is. Jesus, being the Son of God, revealed to us all that God is. God is not just thundering and lightning. He's not just fire in a cloud. But Jesus revealed to us all that God is. He fully showed forth the glory of God. Jesus is the eternal, ultimate expression of the Almighty, our Father, our God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it gives us powerful, concise insight into the person and the power of Jesus Christ. As you read through these verses, there is listed seven different excellencies or divine attributes or position. Seven. And that's just, and, and that's just, that's compounded in the first four verses. The first four verses. And I want to talk about three of those seven. We're just going to, we're just going to hit three of the seven. So then this week, when you go back and read chapter one and chapter two, you can study out the rest. Cool? That'll give you, give you some digging to do. Give you some fun digging to do. So let's just start with verses one and two. The setup, as we can say, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. These verses establish a major theme of this letter. In the past, God's revelation and prophetic word to us came literally at many times and in many ways, as it says in verse 1. And it came primarily through the prophets. In a general sense, this refers to the sum total of what we have in the Old Testament section of the Bible. Okay, the Old Testament, does everybody understand what we're trying to say there? The Old Testament in the Bible, everything that was relayed to the Israelites, the Hebrews, was through a prophetic word. 
through the prophets or through angels. Okay, everything was done in that way. Yet all of this, listen, this is key. All of this did not give us the complete sum of what God wanted us to know and what we would need to know. So even though the prophets and the angels gave prophetic words and instruction of what to do, where to go, how to do it, it didn't give us the complete picture of what God wanted us to know, nor did it give us the complete picture of what we needed to know. It was only a partial picture. But now, somebody say, but now for me. God has spoken and revealed himself to us by his son, Jesus Christ, in a full and complete way. Because Christ is supreme over all things. God's word through him is complete above all, beyond all previous words and revelation from God through the prophets or any other source. Absolutely nothing, not prophets, nor angels, or Moses, has equal authority with God's Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only way to a renewed relationship with God, the only source of eternal salvation, and the only mediator, our only go-between, with God and humans. The author confirms Christ's supremacy by listing seven of these great revelations. Why is this so important, John? The reason this is so important is the author is setting up in these first two verses the awesomeness of Jesus. The awesomeness of Jesus. By having to not do away with the Old Testament, but by saying the Old Testament didn't give us the full and complete picture. Jesus, the Son of God, was the only way to receive, to get the full picture. Why? Because Jesus is God. And you know what the fun part about it is? On the, the second half of verse 2, it says, through him also he created the world. Through him also he created the world. Which also goes back then to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. With Him, nothing was made that was made. Remember how a couple months ago we talked about understanding Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and how it's the foundation? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The spirit hovered over. So there we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. And here again, we see Jesus was there as well. The Trinity, three and one. It was present at the beginning. It is still present today. There is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Trinity, and it's throughout the entire Bible, if we read, if we pay attention. So the first, man, I may not get all three, so I may have to do more studying. The first of the seven I want to talk about is the radiance, the glory of God. The radiance, the glory of God. Verse three says this, 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the exact imprint of his nature. Whose nature? God's nature. Jesus is the exact imprint. There is no other place in the New Testament where we find the phrase radiance of the glory. The writer uses the writer uses it here and it refers to the mark that would be left by an engraving stamp that was pressed in and sealed using wax on a private letter or an official document or an impression mold used to make coins. The stamp and the impression would be an exact, an exact replica. So in Roman times, right, you had authority given to certain people, okay? Caesar was the head. So if you had the power of Caesar, you would have a ring. And on that ring would be Caesar's face or whatever would be on it. And then if you wrote an official letter coming from Caesar, they would seal that letter, they would pour hot wax, and you would take that ring and you would stamp it on that wax. And what would be left would be an exact imprint of Caesar's face showing the authority that this word comes from Caesar. Okay? Same thing today's day and time, right? In the U.S., we have coins, we have money, right? They have pictures of dead presidents on them and all that good stuff, right? We know that if we take a $5 bill, hopefully it's not fake, <laughs> but if we take a $5 bill with the authority that it has, it's backed by the U.S. government, right? Right? Everybody understanding that? What this verse is saying is Jesus was that exact imprint of God. Jesus had the supreme authority from God to teach, to lead, okay? All that God is in nature and character, Jesus is. All that God is in his nature and character, Jesus is as well because he is the exact representation of God. We have talked before and it has been said, Jesus was 100% man, yes, but also he was 100% God. He walked this earth as a man but as much as he was 100% man, he was 100% God. He was the perfect representation, the nature and the character of God. Now that Christ has come and completed his work on earth, God's revelation of himself is no longer partial or incomplete as it was in the Old Testament. We can see God by looking at Jesus because the Son the revelation of God and the Father is full and complete. So what was partial in the Old Testament is now fully complete in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. To where we had lightning and thundering representing God, Jesus came as the exact representation, embodiment of God. So now the picture that was half complete, the mysteries of the lightning and the thunder, is now fully complete in the man, fully God, fully man, Jesus. The radiance of God. That's what that is speaking about there. 
And now let's talk about how he sat, he sits, he sat at the right hand. After Christ paid the penalty for our sin and provided the means of forgiveness through his death on the cross, he took his rightful place of highest honor in heaven, which is at the right hand of God. From that place of ultimate authority, Christ continues his redeeming, which is his saving and rescuing and liberating and restoring activity as our mediator. He's our high priest. He's our intercessor. He is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit to empower his followers. So another one of the seven is he sits at the right hand of God. He sits at the right hand of God as our intercessor, as our intercessor, as our mediator, as our high priest. He has the authority. He sits at the right hand of God. The, this, I don't have time to go into it, but sitting at the right hand is very significant. The power that is given the authority that is given to the one sitting at the right hand. Jesus sits at the right hand as our defender, our defender. When Satan, as we've talked about before, comes to accuse, Jesus said, no. As the song says, he's our lawyer in the courtroom, right? Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And then he is also, the third thing I want to talk about briefly is that he is superior to angels. Superior to angels. It's interesting that the author of Hebrews, honestly, from verses 5 to verse 14, over half the chapter talks about how Jesus is superior to angels. Goes in depth, quoting Old Testament scripture of how Jesus is superior to angels. Why did the author take that time? Why did the author take that time to write to the Hebrew Jews to let them know, hey, Jesus is superior to the angels? That's a question I've been wrestling with. Why? Why would you spend over half the chapter talking about that? The prophets of old were human, right? They were human like us, but yet when the angel of the Lord came to Mary, that was the angel of the Lord. That was, that was like, wow, right? So the angels held more significant in the Old Testament times as, as I mean, if the angel walked in here, I mean, let's just be real, <laughs> whoa, Right? If the angel revealed himself to us, we would all have our minds just, whoa. So the author here is wanting to make sure that the Jews don't go back to their old ways, one, but two, he wanted to, I'm sorry, the author, I can't say he, the author, whoever it may have been, he or she, I'd catch myself because I kept, I keep saying he, he or she, wanted to drive the point home that Jesus was greater than any angel that came and walked this earth. Because in their minds, the angel was, wow, right? I'm just putting it in John terms. I hope that's okay. I'm not trying to dumb it down. 
But the significance of it was they never really recognized the Jews. Let's just be honest. They never did recognize Jesus as, wow, this is the Messiah. They didn't. They saw him as a prophet, but because he checked all the boxes of what the Messiah was supposed to be, except he didn't come with a sword, they said, oh, he can't be true. He can't be true. It can't be the Messiah because he doesn't fit into our box. It's a hole. How many times do we... <laughs> how many times... How many times do we kick God out because it doesn't fit into the box that we think he should be in? How many times? I did a lot. I did a lot. The spirit of religion was so ingrained in me that God didn't fit into my box that I thought and I was taught that he was supposed to fit in. So, and it drove me down to a path of, is God even real? Which is why this letter was written to the Hebrew Jews because they were starting to doubt the fact that Jesus was actually the Messiah. That was the importance of this book to the Jewish Hebrews, to encourage them to say, no, 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 listen to me. Jesus is greater than the angels, and this is why. Jesus is the radiance of God, and this is why. Jesus is God. See, that's the important, that's why this book was written, because the Jews of Hebrew, the Hebrewic Jews, I get that correct, were starting to doubt that God was real, that God was all-powerful, that Jesus was God. Sorry, I'm getting my tongue twisted so bad today. Please forgive me. That's why this book was written, to encourage the Hebraic Jews, that what they believe is true. And the author is bringing the Old Testament and Jesus' revelation together to say, look, this is what the Old Testament said, but this is what Jesus did to fulfill it. That is what's happening through Hebrews. Okay? That is the basis of this study. So, Hebrews is also to encourage the Christian of today because the Hebrew Jews... It's kind of where we are today. We need encouragement. We need reminded that Jesus is who he said he was. We need that encouragement. We need that encouragement in this day and age when we're seeing our brothers and sisters in India, in Pakistan, heading to church this morning, not knowing if they're going to have another crowd show up and beat them. They're, they don't know this morning if they're going to walk into church and another crowd comes in, kicks them out in the street and starts throwing all their pews, everything out the window, one climbing up to the top and ripping a cross off the top of the building, throwing it down, and then for the fun of it, setting it all on fire in front of them. We have preachers today in India who just got beat that are now going to, guess what, suit up and not be held back to go preach the word. Why? because they fully understand the radiance of God. They fully understand that Jesus is who he said he was and that there are people who need to hear. So why is it important that we study Hebrews and fully understand that Jesus is who he says he is in this light? Because we need to remember. We need to be reminded that Jesus is 
who he said he was. And it's good to have this reminder. Amen? Amen. So this week, go back and read chapter 1 again. Dive into those first four verses and see the seven different things that it talks about what Jesus is. And then read on down to the second half, because Elder Jeff next week, the way the book is going, is now going to dive into some of the phrases that they talk about, about the difference in Jesus and the angels. Dig into chapter one. Don't just read it to say you read it. It's, 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 it's all of 14 verses. So it doesn't take much time to read, but dig in. Dig in. Get your concordance out. Get your, get your strongs out. If you don't have a physical one, guess what? On your phone, you can, you can look anything up that you want. But dig in. Be ready for when Elder Jeff gets up here next week and starts talking about the difference in Jesus and the angel and what the wording is in the, in, in, in the Bible. And all this is doing is giving us a full and complete, a fuller and complete picture of Jesus. Not just Jesus the man, but Jesus God. Amen? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for this letter. Father, there's so much here for us to learn. And I ask, Father, that you'll give us wisdom as we read and as we study. Father, thank you for each and every one here. Thank you, Lord, that they got up and came early. God, to hear from you, to learn from your word. I pray, Lord, that you will bless their efforts exponentially. God, bless them. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the remainder of this service. God, I pray that your hand would be on it. Father, I pray that you'll be with our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing persecution this day. Just for getting up and going to church. I pray for the pastors who are facing persecution beatings. God, that you'll give them strength. God, let them know today that they have brothers and sisters who are praying for them. God, I pray for your protection, but Lord, also a blessing, something of encouragement, God, to keep them going that next step. Father, I pray that you will move in this service, miracles, signs, and wonders, God. I pray, Lord, that the lost will be saved, broken bodies will be healed. And God, I pray, Lord, that you will move in this place undeniably. Father, I love you and I thank you. I thank you for your son. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.